everybody. This is Chris and Rick Talk Guitars. That's Chris over there. How you doing? And I'm Rick. And today we're going to talk about gear and muse. Nice. Yeah. How like we that. all have gear, guitars, amps, pedals, you name it, juice harps, uh, harmonicas. What else, Chris? I don't know. Saws. <laughs> Saws. Slide uh, whistles. Slide whistles. And we're going to talk about how... Uh, that relationship, I guess, between people and their gear, and, and is it inspiring to them? Uh, how is it inspiring to them? Um, does it make you want to write songs? Does it make you want to try to get better at your, you know, particular instrument? Um, kind of that stuff. Interesting. You, yeah. So, what do you think, Chris? Um, how? So, first of all, you are a singer songwriter. Um, talk about maybe certain pieces of gear you have that really inspire you to write songs or have inspired you to take a different direction in a song or something like that? Yeah, I used to be way more into songwriting. It was like my thing that I did. And I was like, I got a four track in the 90s and I kind of was like my best friend. I just worked that four track and got so much music out of that. And I would interact with it daily. And I did have a, a particular guitar. It was a Guild Hall Mahogany Body Guild acoustic guitar that was like my songwriting partner. I did for years everything I wrote started on me sitting down with that guild. And when I first got it, there was a rush of creativity where I you know wrote like five, six songs right away because you're so into it. There's a way it sounds. There's a way it records. And gradually over the years, I've kind of gotten away from that. It seems like probably in the last maybe six or seven years, everything uh-huh. I write now is on electric guitar, uh-huh. which is really weird because I get that, you know, it used to be I would use electric guitar as a tool for building out parts of a recording. It's like I already the song's already written. It's already been uh-huh. written on acoustic guitar. Now I need some, you know, some flavor. So I'll get the electric guitar. Maybe I'll come up with a part. I'll create a part. But the whole song itself was, you know, came about from me interacting with that Guild guitar. Interesting. And well, now, go ahead. what do you attribute to that change? Do you think where it was like previously you were just it was all that acoustic that was kind of your starting off point, and now it sounds like it's kind of transitioned to electric. I was way into acoustic guitar as part of songwriting. I started uh-huh. becoming a songwriter, you know, kind of at the folk level where you know you sit with a piece of paper and an acoustic guitar. And you write a song. So the process was pretty much ingrained is like, that's what you do to get a song. Got it. And so I guess I only had one electric guitar and one acoustic guitar at the time. And then I went on a little jag where I was into electric guitars. I, you know, I had a Telecaster and that's, I was happy. That's all I needed is a Telecaster. So that was my electric and I had my Guild Acoustic. But then I started to crave different flavors of electric guitar. It's like, I want to get humbuckers. I want to get a P90. Uh-huh. And at that point, I started interacting on a daily basis with electric guitars. Interesting. And I felt the need to, you know, write some songs. So instead of getting the acoustic guitar, I just, you know, plugged in a small amp and the electric guitar and I wrote a bunch of songs that way. And then that became my process. And that's been my primary process. But occasionally, um, I still write acoustic guitar. As you know, a couple years ago, I got a Martin D18. Oh, yeah. And that kind of turned the tides because I spent a lot of time with that guitar. Yeah. It was kind of a, it was kind of an emotional moment because that was the point where I took my guild that was really my songwriting right. partner for many years. And I said, I'm sending you off. You're going to be somebody else's <laughs> songwriting partner. I want another guitar for the rest of my life out. 
So I and I've been wanting a Martin D18 for a while. So oh, I found yeah, one that spoke to me. Got that and sent the guilt on it. Sent the guilt packing. Interesting. And, and as I understand it, somebody bought it and they're happy with it. So oh, that's it's, cool. It's got its new songwriting partner, hopefully. Backing up, I got the Martin, and then I started doing the songwriting process of one-on-one with an acoustic guitar, and I wrote a number of songs, because usually an instrument for me, there's something about it, maybe it's the way the neck feels, the way it resonates, uh-huh. something that you can find. It's not that it has songs in it, it's like there's songs in you that it draws out. Got it. And that Martin drew out like four or five songs right away. And I think those are the last songs that I wrote. That's in, cool, in entirety. It is, but it's kind if of... you need a new guitar to write a song, <laughs> it's really expensive to be it a songwriter. <laughs> so, um, well, I, luckily, well, to that point, maybe you just go to a different piece of gear and focus on a different exactly. piece of gear. And that's know? happened. And I mean, and that's so cool. And another thing is, is playing other people's bands where yep. they take care of the songwriting. There you go. And then you're only writing parts. And yeah. that's where gear is really, you know, important. Like, um, if we have a new Riff Broker song, uh-huh. you know, I'll come out here and I might use the Champ and like a fuzz pedal or something like that, just to like dick around with parts. And it's really interesting because you can use an a amp and a, a pedal or a guitar to to come up with something, but. And then you move away from that. Like, I mean, you use a fuzz pedal or something to come up with a riff. Mm -hmm. But then you say, all right, I've got that riff. It came out of this. I was inspired to create that. And then you strip away the fuzz pedal and you just put it into guitar. Or you create something in a capoed position. And then once you get the parts, you take the capo off and it becomes something else. And that's really cool. I mean, capos, speaking of like pieces of gear and use, they can be great ways to pull out melody that you would never get. It's yeah. like that's that used to be a big songwriting starting point for me is get the acoustic guitar when I was writing on acoustic and just start moving the capo around and play, that's you know, cool. your, your cowboy chord positions up in here and just and it'll draw something out of you. Yeah. And that's I, I'll still do that. And I'll do that with the electric guitar too. Uh-huh. So yeah, no, I think I think gear there's a fine line that you must walk between letting the gear inspire you and using or just like nerding out right you know just like (laughs) wanting stuff looking at stuff and and nerding out and you can you gotta always remember to like maybe stop and just like look at what you have and just open yourself up to be inspired and just plug in and play i mean i try to play as much as i can yeah and you're not always inspired but sometimes you are did that answer your question yeah that was great because um i think it's cool that you kind of had this starting point based on just how you kind of perceived, you know, you wrote songs. This is what you do. You get an acoustic guitar and you sit in front of your four right. track and do it. And then how it evolved. And then basically when you got that D18, how you kind of came back to that and revisited right. that. Um, and then just realized, you know, well, I mean, you probably realized it along, but, you know, just just focusing on a guitar that you maybe haven't played in a while or, or a piece of, exactly. or like you say, a pedal, man, I have that pedal that I haven't touched in, in ages. Let's go plug it in and see what happens. And it, yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. That was a great answer to that question for me. Um, yeah, I had a four track back in the day, but for me, I just plugged in and did, and, or used pedals and somehow still tried to do the electric. I, I never really wrote much on acoustic guitar. Did ever. you have an acoustic guitar um, other than the one you traded you before? I don't want to go there. Um, All right. <laughs> I've had them, 
but not they didn't I haven't play had that a lot role? of them and they didn't play that role with me okay. no so I was just always writing on acoustic I mean not acoustic and electric either not plugged in or plugged in somehow back in the day I had a, the V and all that other stuff and and uh, that would ins- inspire me to play a certain way and not necessarily in- inspire songs but just it would based on the neck shape and then the width you know what I mean or the guitar right, itself exactly. you pick it up and you play a certain way oh wow yeah. that's different Every or you pick up this o- yeah and, you or play. you pick up this other guitar and you play a different way and that's kind of what I dig is um, picking up a guitar I haven't played in a long time or that I normally don't play and it's like oh man this is kind of forcing me to, to play differently right and right. all your cliches go out the window exactly. too. or you have a different yeah. set that you, here's my Fender set <laughs> cliches <laughs> exactly. and here's my Gibson set of cliches exactly yeah. but anything you can do to shake that up yeah, yeah. that's what the capo is good for that too yeah. even on electric I mean you can get some cool sounding chords oh yeah you know when, in the middle of the neck the capo in the middle of the neck and just write a riff and then once you got the riff and you got something to go with it take the capo off and figure out how to play it with yeah. it the capo that's really and cool. and um yeah I, I mean i've just found that to be the case or just like trying to f- trying to f- do tasty uh either licks like you're saying or or riffs on different guitars right and, right. and try different patterns um and yeah each guitar will will kind of force you to play a certain way and so oh man yeah that might the cliches i'm so used to playing don't really work right now on this guitar yeah, so i, I have to find if i need new cliches yeah. um yeah and and pedals have been a rediscovery for me i'm um, like that chorus pedal and stuff like that it kind of makes you think in another way have um, you played uh, that chorus pedal no since? but it's at gyms and i need to plug yeah, it in because i want to do that and, yeah yeah i mean yeah. it's fun to play on those pedals i brought mine to a rehearsal once and i think people were like kind of amused and horrified at right. the same time because <laughs> i course. tried to work it in every every song it's like wait no i think this will work put, yeah let's, let's bring the 80s back but they were inspired to tell me to shut, yeah, shut the show off so um yeah and i i think it uh it's the same way with amps right or any of that stuff and exactly it's so it's it's hard you know we've all heard interviews with with people who create stuff and it's 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 hard it's work you know, nothing falls. Sometimes the occasional thing will fall on your lap, but most of the time it's, it's no, it's sitting down in front of a blank page and going, Hmm, okay, what am I going to do? Yeah, or everything or listen, do sucks. Yeah. <laughs> or you, or, you know, like me, you've put like these silly riffs on your phone and then you listen back and you're like, what the hell was I yeah, thinking? No, like, totally. I've got a hundred of these things. And but, the um, other thing is, is you have to be open to that. You, there's a mindset to, you have to be in. I mean, I've written like in a week, I've written like four or five songs yeah. and all of them ended up being songs that were good enough to play in bands. That's cool. And then you go for years where you don't have any ideas. And I think when we're younger, it's easier easier for us to stay at that spot where we're more open to it. Or maybe we just have more time to focus on it. Because Probably you know, look at like the Rolling yeah. Stones or something. They wrote this this amazing body of work. And you know they're still doing it. They're out there. But it's never quite... I mean, maybe if you're not hungry anymore or you're just not... In the, I think it's just being in that... You know, not having the distractions that you have and just being able to be in that spot and open to that sort of like inspiration. Um, I'm a person that writes by, I never write anything down. I don't, you know, I mentioned having a pencil and a piece right, of paper. Right. I, I didn't really have a pencil and a piece of paper. Everything that when I write a song starts at the beginning and ends. So when I'm stuck in a song, I just get this far in. And a lot of times my songs will have really powerful first lines and then they've got to trail off because it's not a, it's not the way to do it though I mean I, uh-huh. I know people that I, who are great songwriters that you know keep notebooks and they write down well ideas you do it however it works for you right really, you know I mean but I think that's one of the reasons why 
I don't write as often as I did because once I get stuck, I'm like, yeah, I, I got I'm done. <laughs> I got the first verse and you know half a chorus and I'm I'm stuck. So um, and then it's easier now to move on and do something else. Yeah. But back then I would have stuck with it. You yeah. Know, I just kept pushing and pushing. But that's know. an interesting point, and I always think the same thing. Like these bands have a lifespan of, of or a window where they create all this great shit, and then the later stuff they do is like you know yeah maybe you're missing the fire or whatever or the or the focus. But I think on our topic here today with they have all, they've already bought all the right, gear already, in the world <laughs> well so, but but i mean there's nothing maybe, to inspire them well or maybe it's the fact that they need to sit down more with their gear and go you know what i'm going to play that uh strat i bought right. in wherever back two tours ago or whatever it was and just like put guys like you and me we have a few guitars and it's like you know maybe there's one or two guitars we haven't really looked at in a few months or a year or whatever right. and it's so cool to bring something like that out and play it and go, oh man, I remember this thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it might, that might inspire you to like write some new songs or, or play a different way or, and so that's kind of the fun of, uh, you know, and you don't have to have a large collection of gear, you know, you can have a few pedals, maybe an amp or a few, a couple amps and maybe a couple guitars and and you're like, okay, cool. Um, man, I, I usually play the hell out of this Strat. I'm going to put it away and play this other guitar. Just force yourself to, to play gear that you don't normally play. You know, or, or play your friend's gear, you know, like you and I swap gear all the time. And it's like, right. it's kind of interesting to sit with somebody else's, you know, guitar or whatever and go, wow, okay, this is what he plays all the time. How does this work? And yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. Totally. And, you know, I'm such a fan of the classic guitars, you know, being ha- to have available, like I'm, you know, I want the classic Strat sound right now. I want this classic Tele sound or the classic Gibson humbucker sound. It's good to be able to have those. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of what electric, if I was had to come up with, I guess it's not that important for writing parts for like a rock band. I would probably, a lot of times I'll use like a Gibson, either the Les Paul standard or the Les Paul. Sometimes I'll use like a, a distortion, like a MXR distortion plus or something like that in a small amp and just get a really kind of like 70s distorto sound uh-huh. and make riffs like that or... A lot of times it doesn't matter. It's it's kind of like I'm kind of like you. I'll just sit at the table with the songs on MP3 and whatever guitar I have, <laughs> I and come up with parts. But yeah, but and and what you were talking about earlier, it's like whatever works for you. I mean, I'm I'm all over the map. Like I've got licks all over. The, I, I, like if you looked at inside my head, it's probably like Einstein's office that picture you've seen where everything's all over the place or some artist's (laughs) loft that's full of crap on the floor and stuff and so it's for me it's really hard to be i'm not disciplined i envy people who like are disciplined or prolific at songwriting because right. it's like for me it's so hard like my I, my goal was to write 10 songs that i didn't hate i've got one song that is okay <laughs> and it's been you know the span of how many years now but but what what i have noticed though is is that you and i since you and i have really been getting into gear you and i kind of got into acoustic bluegrass for a time mandolins that's another uh-huh. thing mandolin for me was kind of a revelation. I'd never played mandolin until you and I said, oh, let's get mandolins and play bluegrass. And it's strung like a violin, right? And Mm -hmm. I've never played an instrument like that before. And it was super fun to learn those chord shapes and how to get some kind of decent sound out of the damn thing. Right. Um, And so that was inspirational, right? I got a couple songs off that mandolin, that little mandolin. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of fun, too, because you can still apply that uh, inspiration to your other 
right. stuff, and your guitars weird, and everything else. Seeing you know? how, like, you come up with different things on the mandolin because, you know, you go, even if you're trying to go to your go-to cliches <laughs> on that, you know, with the sounds or the, like kind of the notes you put together. Yep. They're they're in a different spot, so yeah. you take them back to the guitar, and you're like, oh, this is this is not, you know, it broke you out of that guitar, you know, slump of playing those, even those things that you assume are the same, they're different once you bring them back to guitar. And yeah. I've done a few things like that too, is come up with really cool guitar parts that I never would have come up with because they came from the mandolin That's so first, cool. yeah, and then you and you transpose them back to the guitar, yeah. And that, yeah, I, I thought that was really kind of a cool shot in the arm for me, just for guitar, um, was an acoustic guitar too. When we started getting into bluegrass, you and I, because um, I, I, you know, I have that nice acoustic that I, I don't play all that often. I, I played it a heck of a lot more once you and I were trying to figure out all these. Uh, Once bluegrass you know, tunes. We're figuring out that we'll never be blue, and that we'll never. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a valuable thing to learn. You know, yeah. you got to learn your well, boundaries. My <laughs> whole approach to that is like I love bluegrass music, but I don't have enough of my life uh, left right, right. to probably get as good as I, as my the people that I admire that play that. Right. All that I wanted to do is play in that style and just kind of steal stuff yeah. from that genre and put them in my stupid rock genre. That's cool genre. So. And yeah, that, that's that, all I'm ever doing is like a country. I really love country music, and yeah. I was in a band that was very country influenced. I was a hack. I didn't play with my fingers, I, but I did steal enough of that stuff. And I, I just want to get before I leave this earth. I want to have some sort of style that I made mine by stealing yeah. from all these people. So yeah, I'm not trying to be a great um, bluegrass player or a great country player or a great rock player. But if you steal enough of these things and make some sort of style out of it that's my goal yeah it's something that's mine that's cool from and that's... stealing from enough people that nobody knows notices <laughs> no but that's a great goal and kind of that's similar to me too i mean i i would love to kind of have a style where people heard me play and go oh yeah i think that's heinz playing or you know but yeah. that's really difficult it's very heinzian very heinzian <laughs> um but yeah that, that's kind of what it did for me too. and i feel the same way it's like because i've tried to get into classical and jazz and all this stuff but i'm like okay and I've played a long time, I've gone down a certain road of basically blues rock hackery, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're right. To dedicate myself to play the way I, I would want to play would just take too long. I just And, yeah, it's hard enough for me to stay focused on my silly rock licks right. that I do and stuff like that. But but I do. But but you're right. But visiting those different genres, like visit, visiting bluegrass and these other things and bringing it back to what you do or trying to integrate it into what you do is, yep, is really have- fun and cool. Yep, I have things that I play now in the bands that I'm in now that have, has come from that little foray into yeah. bluegrass. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is yeah. something I didn't have before. Toink, I'm stealing that. <laughs> and then it ends up in one of these other things. So that's that's what you do. You steal enough and you try to get something that is your own out of it. Yeah, and, and like that's what I liked about a lot of bluegrass playing is it's very lyrical and it's very melodic. Oh, a lot of it is anyway, because oh, it's, yeah. it's mimicking like the vocal line and all this other stuff. And I love to bring that into my playing because that's the stuff I've really come to love and enjoy is like guitar stuff that really just serves the song, right? It's exactly. Like, and even if you're going to do a solo or something like that, make it melodic or make it lyrical. Don't just, you know, wank through a blues I mean, you know, that's fine to do, but I really like to, I really like to try to get some kind of melody happening or, or lyrical thing happening that pleases me and, and serves the song. You know what I mean? And that gives me pleasure. And again, that's all inspired from 
you know, playing bluegrass or playing the mandolin or playing these or, or being aware of these other influences from these these pieces of gear and genres of music, sure, but um, that hopefully, yeah, like you say, you can steal and put them into your own style and. and yeah, and, and that's going back to the bluegrass thing. That's kind of like very much related to gear because, I mean, though I've been I've been into like bluegrass music forever. You know, when I, getting that Martin guitar, it's such like. Uh, a, a guitar you would associate with bluegrass that kind of just steered me a little bit more deeper into that and you know the sound is definitely the mid-rangey sound of that instrument you know and the you know the force with which it will project oh yeah it definitely steers you it, it it draws that out of you like anything you like in there it, now suddenly you have a, a vehicle to express things in that way so it's definitely related to gear yeah I mean by allowing yourself to be inspired by that. Yeah, and and that that's a great point because that guitar is iconic for being a a great bluegrass guitar or just a great acoustic guitar in general, you right. know. It's the big body dreadnought that everybody associates with these great guitar sounds from you know, from from rock to to country, you right. know. And uh yeah, I I find that inspiring too like that J180 I have is similar in that you strum that thing and it's like, "Oh yeah, that's the way I think it should sound, because it sounds like these other recordings right. I associate. That class, that's the classic Gibson. And like, it's yeah. slightly tubby, yep. but, you know, really musical Gibson sound. Yeah. That's the, the classic. I mean, it, the classic would be the like the J50 or the JM, but that's the, I mean, it's in it's in the ball. It's a bigger body, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a jumbo. It's smaller than a 200, but it's, yeah. Right, right. No, like it's voiced a lot like that. I love, I, see, I love every... I kind of shocked myself that I ended up going for a Martin. Yeah. Because I, I always, I've always been a Gibson flat top lover, you know, and I've always thought, you know, when I get a really good guitar, I'm going to get a Gibson. I was thinking like a J200 or a J45 or something like that. And I just, over a course of maybe a year or two, I just, my head steered towards the Martin. And then between looking between the D18 and the, D, the D28, the D18 kind of like, stuck it kind of hooked me a little bit even though the d28 is like if you sit down and play a really good d28 and you sit down and play a really good d18 99 percent of the people are going to take the d28 because it's so instantly gratifying right, right. it's just this immense sound yeah but it doesn't for recording and for like doing a lot of single note stuff it doesn't project the same way it doesn't project the same mid-range yeah as the other one and that's what I ended up going for oh yeah the well, extra mid-range and that's why my guild was really good at it it was yeah. a great recording guitar it was on a lot of recordings it did sound good it was all mahogany and it always I knew when I was playing a, a part on that guitar exactly how it would sound coming out of the record right. because I knew where it sat that's how well I knew that and I was looking for another guitar that I could bond with and would have that same sort of mid-range content that that What had. was it that do you think that steered you from the thinking, oh, I want a Gibson acoustic to wanting a Martin? I really don't know. I I don't know. I mean, I just, there was some, I read some book and it was about a songwriter and I got kind of got back in the, I want to go back to writing songs on acoustic guitar and I dug out my guild and I played it and it's getting, it was a little, getting a little long in the tooth. I think it was about where it started to look like it needed a neck reset. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know, I get a, several more years out of this, but it's going to need to reset at some point. And I don't know if I want to put that kind of money right. into this guitar. So I started going to guitar shops and playing guitars. And I think 
the most research I've ever done on a guitar was for the D28. Dang. I found that one. It's not even an old one. It's from the 90s. But, but, but maybe it was just going out and playing them, and you're like, God, these Martins are freaking yeah. cool. I and I played them. some Gibsons. Yeah. I played um, I played just about everything I could. And, and uh-huh. Gibsons, I played some new Gibsons, and there was one that sounded really good, but the Gibsons suffered, that I played suffered from something all of them did, was they felt really rough, and like oh, the fret yeah. edges were kind of rough. But there was one... And it was, I think it was the, it was a J30 maybe. It was hmm. like a, a blonde instrument. It sounded really good, but it had, I would have to finish the fret ends because they didn't. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so no, and I just, there were a few up the street in a guitar shop and there was a 70s D18 that I looked at first and I thought I wanted. And then I came back and they had a 90s and I side by side them in the 90s one. That's cool. Yeah. It's a cool guitar. It sounds amazing. And I like um, yeah, I think that's fascinating because I, I don't, I think I'm trying to think of what I was lusting for when I was listing, lusting for a, an acoustic guitar. I think, I think it was a Gibson, you know, but, um, but when we were growing up, Takamini made those knockoff Gibsons, or not Gibsons, but Martins. Remember yeah, those? No, totally. They were amazing the guitars. Like they were. Yeah, I mean, they were great guitars. I always wanted one of those, like back when I was a kid, because they just well, they were they attainable. Were, yeah, they exactly. Like, I mean, you were it never wasn't a Martin. Get a Martin as, yeah. a, as a kid. Yeah, but I they mean, were really cool guitars. Yeah, they were a you know probably a lawsuit Martin for the well, time. They were, yeah. 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 Yamaha made some really nice sounding flat tops yeah. from their, them too. I had a um, a Sigma for a while was the first. Yeah. You know, it took me forever to get a decent acoustic guitar. I don't know what it was when it dawned on me. It's like, look, if I'm going to write songs and I need to, I need to be inspired. Yeah. I need something that sounds good. So I I suffered with like shitty two hundred dollar <laughs> acoustic guitars forever. Yeah. And then I had a Sigma, which was okay. It was I think it was the Korean made one. It was a knockoff of a D eighteen. Uh-huh. But I didn't miss that guitar. Um, the Guild was the first really good American flat top that I had. Cool. You, if you look around this room right now, you can see it strewn about amps and effects <laughs> pedals. And when I, I might come out here someday and I might just like grab one of these little amps. And I, I just don't want to plug in a noodle. I'll just go to this cupboard or take some of those pedals and just try to make up. That's pop. what's cool. And you just look for stuff. Yeah, you, just you do that all the time because you'll call. I'll call you or something. And you go, yeah, dude. I pl- I plugged in this. I put together this weird little pedal board of these pedals, and it's like it's really cool. This old phaser I picked. It's like, oh, cool. It's yeah, like I plugged in every phaser I had, and, and put so a I was up a week it. straight. Yeah, so, no, I haven't written a song in six months, but I've, I've got, got a all beard. these phasers hooked up. Yeah, I'm but, changing the caps. Yeah. In <laughs> but um, I think that's cool. And I, I, I try to do that. I try to go in and, and grab a guitar that I haven't played in a while or, or pick up something or get with my gear that I haven't played with in a while and and do it and play something. And, and yeah, and it is inspiring. It's never disappointing, really. Sometimes right. my playing is disappointing and I'll go, shit, I'll turn it off. And oh, I'm like, yeah, everybody goes, yeah, I'm sure. But, but the kind of the act of it is kind of cool. Because, again, like... It's just rediscovering a piece of gear that you really haven't spent a lot of time with in a while, right? And it's it's kind of like relearning it or, or getting it new again, you know? It's like, oh, man, I remember this pedal or this guitar. So cool. Like, um, yeah, anyway. Um, or I, I really dig swapping gear, too. Like, you and I do that sometimes where, you know, exactly. Like, I mentioned that before, but I think that's super cool. Like, if you do have friends and they're willing to swap gear with you, that's a great way to... Um, just pl- a if you're thinking about buying something that person has try it out 
or B, just get inspired by playing your friend's Les Paul or their Martin or whatever it is that you don't have or pedal that you don't have. And uh, I think that's really inspirational. Yeah. You know? Recording, if, if there's usually seems to be people are really into recording and there's people who aren't into it at all and there's some people in between that kind of maybe like the idea of recording but don't like dealing with the nerdy techie stuff. Right. Where technology is right now for very little, you know, technical knowledge, you can set yourself up with, you know, some sort of like computer-based recording and that's great. I mean, we're really spoiled now with yeah. what we can what we can do with digital oh, recording. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's kind of like a double-edged sword because as soon as you get, give yourself access to these tools, there's all this stuff. There's always something you need more right, or right. better. But um, I've just managed to just draw a line and come up with a digital system that is yeah. as close to like analog recording as possible. I mean, I use the software as like a tape deck. You know, I do have editing capabilities. I got it like an outboard compressor that's cheap but sounds good and a couple of good preamps and, and then just... Stop there. Yeah. Don't, I mean, I have like a reverb plug-in that I like. One, I don't need to try 500. <laughs> and if you can keep yourself like nailed down to some simple system, yep. there's a lot of inspiration. It's like, you know, this portal to like getting your inspirations documented. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and, and the software itself can either inspire or drag you down a rabbit right. hole. Yep. And if you let yourself just like use it as a tape machine... It's, I mean, I love that when I'm in that mode and I've got uh -huh. some material that I come up with, the next step is like painting a picture with it, like yeah. getting all the sounds and arranging it. And that's another aspect where gear can come in and either inspire you or, or totally ruin you. But. <laughs> that's a great point. And yeah, for very little money now, you can have this, you can have a lot of options and, and create a recording that's pretty damn good. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty silly now. And it's and, certainly listenable, you know. Oh, I mean, totally. Like, in the days of the four tracks, that was really hard. I mean, yeah. I mean, anybody who Bouncing wants to go back to that, you know, well, analog cassette four tracking <laughs> is... Kind of like, you can make sophisticated recordings with minimal, like GarageBand. You can make a sophisticated right. recording. And with, even with your setup, you, you kind of claim that, oh, yeah, these just sound like demos. But I've heard you record stuff that sounds, stuff, in my opinion, that you could release. I mean, maybe it was mastered or something, but it sounds great anyway. Well, thank so, you. So, I mean, yeah. and But uh, even if you don't want to document it that way, just inspire, get inspired by um, doing what we said, you know? Playing stuff you haven't played in a while, or, or play one of your friends' pieces of gear, or go to a go a guitar shop and annoy the hell out of them for two hours playing right. everything in the store. <laughs> so you know what I would say is, if you're a musician or or an artist of some kind, try to mix it up. That's the bottom line, right? So if you're you know if for instance Chris and I play guitar, we have our favorite guitars, we play a lot. Put it down, pick up another one, or pick up a mandolin or a ukulele or whatever. Or, you know, if you have the luxury of playing a couple different amps that you own, play the different amp, you know, but mix it up. Stick a capo. Stick a capo on it and get inspired because um, just doing those things can inspire you in so many different ways. And it's really cool and fun. I agree. That's yeah. good. Okay, cool. Well, uh, again, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a website, chrisandricktalkguitars.com. Hey, go there and uh, like us. And uh, we really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We enjoy it. We love it. Chris, anything for the people out there? No, just I think you covered it all. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. All right.
Bye. See ya. Spider